This week on AARP's The Perfect Scam. My dad is college educated. My mom is smart and has worked her whole life. My initial reaction was a bit of anger, I have to say, at that they were so vulnerable to this. Welcome back to AARP's The Perfect Scam. I'm your host, Julie Getz, and with me today, as always, Frank Abagnale. Frank, it's great to see you. Great to be here, Julie. Thanks. Frank, today we're revisiting a scam that we've discussed before on this podcast, the grandparent scam. Now, there's no doubt that scams play on people's emotions in different ways. And for this one in particular, most older adults with grown children have had years to worry about the what-ifs. What if my daughter's car breaks down in the middle of nowhere? Or what if my son is robbed? Or what if one of them suddenly has to go into a hospital? So with this grandparent scam, the fraudsters prey directly on these worries the parents and grandparents have had for much of their adult lives. Now, coupled with the fraudsters' demands of needing to act immediately to send money or something terrible will happen to your grandchild, it's just all so devious. And unfortunately, it feels like this grandparent scam is one that we continue to hear more and more about. It just won't go away. Why is that, Frank? Well, you know, there's no question when I get asked by law enforcement, or even when we go out and do state events for ARP and we get Q&A, People always bring up the grandparent scam. So it's much like the IRS scam. It is a very, very popular scam. Again, we've seen it change a little bit. So, it, you know, the grandparent scam is the easiest way to explain it is that nowadays where it's got a little more sophisticated, the phone rings, the caller ID says it's the local police department or the state police. So, of course, you believe it is. You pick up the phone that says, Sergeant Ryan, we have arrested your a grandson, he was DUI on interstate, such and such. But then they go on to tell you what kind of car he drives, and you're familiar with the car, so that's a confirmation. Then they tell you how a passenger in the car, and they give you the name of the passenger so you know that's his girlfriend. You met her many, many times. Uh, they said he didn't want us to call his parents. They say the parents' name. Of course, you know the parents. And then they say he needs to post bail, but he has to do it in the next couple of hours or have to spend a weekend in jail. He asks us to call you. And, of course, the immediate response is, well, no, absolutely. How do I do that? Well, you can give us a credit card over the phone, and we can do that. There are many different ones where we have your son. We've kidnapped your grandson or grandson's down out of the country and doesn't have any money. But it all comes back, again, to that red flag we always talk about. you got to give me the money right now. I always remind people that if it was one of the scams like I just discussed and you actually said to the person on the phone, oh, well, I live just one block from the police department, so uh, let me, I'll be down there in four minutes. Let me just come down there, and I'll give you the money. Oh, no, you can't do that. You know, you have to pay me with a credit card or let me wire the money. That, you know, is a scam. And again, very easy to confirm. You know, you hang up the phone. You call the parents, say, where is so-and-so? Well, he's sitting right here. Or, uh, or you basically call the police department back and say, I just got a phone call. They said it was Sergeant so-and-so and that they had my grandson in custody, I wanted to verify. And, of course, they're going to say, no, we don't, and uh, we wouldn't have made that call to you. That's just a a scam. But I think it works because, obviously, everybody, I have five grandchildren. Everybody's worried about their grandchildren. So if it involves your grandchildren, right away your ears pick up and go, yes, what can I do? And you can understand where maybe the grandson doesn't want the parents to know because he's going to get in a lot of trouble. So he's calling the grandparents. And you kind of feel good that he's, well, he's calling me to help him, you know, and Oh, they play on all of those strings, and and it works. And as we always say, people are basically honest, and because they're honest, they don't have a deceptive mind. So if they don't know that, 
then they get that call. They think it's totally legitimate. They have no reason to doubt it. And because of social media and the fact that I know what kind of car he drives from Facebook, I know his girlfriend's name from Facebook, and I can put all that information on there, that's even more convincing, must be, who else would know all this information, that it must be real. So uh, that was one of the things, again, writing scam, if you can, we want to explain the grandparent scam, how it works, so that when you get that call, you read that book. So you said, no, I know this is a scam. I read all about this, and this is what they do, and I know it's not true. So again, education is a very, very important important part of this. But it can never tell people enough over and over that these scams go on. But that is the, one of the most common ones we get asked about. Okay, Frank, thanks for explaining the way this scam works. We'll be back in a bit to discuss the grandparent scam more. In the meantime, we're going to hear about an elderly couple from East Amherst, New York, who got caught in one of these grandparent scams. It's a story we learned about from Chicago reporter Alexandria Jacobson. Alexandria, tell me about the series you're working on called Beyond Guard. One of the publications I freelance for is the Chicago Sun-Times, and they approached me to work with them on a series called Beyond Guard, which was about common consumer scams and giving people best tips for avoiding them. And that project was actually sponsored by AARP Illinois. And what kind of stories did you feature? I did a series of six stories talking about scams that affect people of all different backgrounds. So there are romance scams that affect young people who might be looking for temporary work as babysitters. I think these are really important stories that we share so we can hopefully minimize the number of victims. In August 2018, you wrote an article about a grandparent scam. What made the Sun-Times decide to focus on that particular story? We really wanted to focus on scams affecting retirees and one of the common types of scams that unfortunately target elderly folks is called the grandparent scam. So I actually was in touch with John Allen's daughter, Karen Allen, who told me that unfortunately her father had lost a lot of money to scammers and she connected me with her dad and he was able to share that with us so that we could put this story out into the public and hopefully to help others avoid such types of scams. This story starts when 86-year-old John Allen and his wife get a phone call in the middle of the night. Back in July 2018, John Allen and his wife were home, and they received a phone call from their grandson. Or who they thought was their grandson calling for help. Saying, I'm in trouble, I've been in a car accident, I'm in a holding cell in Chicago, I need your help. Before they could ask for more details, Another voice came on the line, claiming to be their grandson's lawyer. It had said, your grandson is in his holding center. We need some money to try to help keep him out of jail. Then this person said, you know, don't call the police directly. We'll take care of it. I need you to send me money as soon as possible. John told me that he and his wife felt terror when they got this phone call. It could have been totally plausible that their grandson was in a car accident. He actually lives in the Chicago area, so... That information was enough to convince them that maybe this is true and we need to do something to help our grandson. They were panicked. The Allens quickly ask what they can do to bail their grandson out. The person asked, where do you have credit cards? So one of the places was Home Depot, and they said, great, go get us Home Depot gift cards, since gift cards are the fastest way to get us money and get $5,400 in gift cards and then scratch off the numbers on the back and read those to us. What the scammer said was so convincing and 
so brief that they felt like they had to take action right away. The two anxious grandparents drive a half an hour to the closest Home Depot, purchase the gift cards, and call the scammers back with the numbers. The very next day, they get another call. The scammers called and asked for $10,000 cash to be sent before the grandson's impending trial date. And the Allens were told that they would get this money back if their grandson was found innocent. So they went to the bank, took out $10,000 cash, and FedExed it to an address they were given in Texas. And this whole time, the Allens listened to what the scammers were telling them, which was, don't tell anyone about this, we'll handle it. In the next two to three days, the Allens get more than a dozen calls. Each one is more aggressive than the last. The people on the other end of the phone asked for $150,000 and became threatening and said, your grandson might not get out of jail. We need this money right away. Fortunately, the Allens have children they can count on. One of them is Karen Allen. She's an associate director of Chicago Field Studies at Northwestern University and speaks to her parents every week. My parents and I, we usually talk every Sunday, and I could tell something was off. They asked me right away about James, my nephew, and I said, well, I just saw James. He's great. You know, he's doing really well. And they said, how does he look? Does he have a black eye? I'm like, no. James is fine. I said, tell me what's going on. Karen and her parents usually have an easy conversation. This time, they seem to be hiding something. It takes her at least five minutes to get them to open up. They still were believing that they needed to send now $150,000 to these men to keep James out of jail or to represent him in the court. Karen immediately guesses the truth. Her parents have been caught in a scam. She tries to break it to them as gently as she can. It took time for me to convince him that James was okay, that there was no accident. And I just had dinner and played golf with James. They were very shaken up when they realized they had been scammed, especially my dad. While Karen's talking to her parents, she's texting with her three brothers. One lives in Chicago, another lives in Vermont. They agree that the brother who lives in New York should check on the parents right away. He left the next day and drove all night long to get to my parents and then to troubleshoot. They went to the bank, they changed accounts. So he then was there attending to them as best they could. Did your parents report what happened to them to the police? They did. They went to the Amherst Police Station in upstate New York, and the police came back and said that this is a very common crime. They did receive a detective who then pursued the gift cards, trying to see if they could recoup some of that money and or trace these individuals. They did try to pursue and recoup some of their lost money via an attorney. Of course, none of that resulted in success, and they were out another, I don't know, $1,000 or $1,500 for attorney fees. Okay. So the scammers never got caught? They did not. Mm -hmm. The scammers continue. 
When your father withdrew $10,000 from the bank, this was abnormal behavior, right? Correct. Did the banks follow up? Did they ask questions? No. And in fact, the bank uh, did not follow up. And my father then employed an attorney and met and tried to bring suit against that bank. The bank, in examining this, made the determination that my parents were at fault because they withdrew the money. Karen, tell me a little bit about your parents. How would you describe their personalities? My dad is very outgoing. He's a salesman by profession. My mom is more reserved and private. My dad played Santa Claus for the Western New York area for 40 or 50 years. And my mom would, you know, make sure he had one of the best Santa suits and the beard. And she would, I remember helping her clean it and comb it and get him ready for his many trips to like a home or a hospital or to, he's a Notre Dame grad, so the Alumni Association or to um, neighbors. And so my dad and my mom went, and and sometimes I went as an elf uh, to help him. Um, But, and, and that was quite joyful in seeing him turn on and engage with the community really Um, you know, help kids feel loved and special. And of course, their parents were there. So it was one of my fondest memories, I think, of my parents in that tradition of kind of community service. Karen, your mom and dad sound like very caring people. Do you think that could have helped make them open to these scammers? I think one of the things that maybe convinced them is that James, you know, six months or a year earlier, had been in a car accident. He indeed, with the, he, there were three cars that were driving up to Wisconsin to go skiing, and there was a snowstorm, and all the cars got in an accident. So, you know, they thought it plausible that this could happen. You know, they obviously were helping, a, in their mind, a grandson who was in trouble. What did you find to be the most challenging part about going through something like this, as the daughter learning about what happened to her parents? Not being able to protect my parents from this, seeing my parents so vulnerable to something like this has been incredibly challenging. My dad is college educated, my mom is smart and has worked her whole life. She was a bookkeeper for a law firm, and my dad was often on the road working for a trucking company in um, moving goods and services across the, the country. So my initial reaction was a bit of anger, I have to say, frustration or anger at that they were so vulnerable to this. And of course, that shifted to feeling you know, sad and also realizing that while they are smart and they're hardworking and have done everything to provide for us kids and their grandkids, they can fall prey to these types of scams. I think coming to realize that they were vulnerable 
um, is has been hard. But as we age, we need each other to help and to protect from bad people in the world. How do you think this experience affected your parents? There's shame. There's a lot of shame, like, how could I have let this happen to me? It has taken more than a year for them to get comfortable talking about this, but they still have not told all of their own siblings and family members, and they've asked all of us to keep this quiet. And of course, I've let them know, as my brother has, is like, no, you know, this is an important experience that we share and help our family and others learn about and take steps to guard against. Karen, after watching your parents go through something like this, do you have any advice you'd like to offer to our listeners? Communication with each other is vital so that they might then trust and open up so that we can protect each other. I do think that AARP has done great things in the bulletin, in the magazines, with the tips. I know my parents see that and read it. I do as well. For those who have fallen victim, I think it's important that they realize that shame doesn't need to be a part of this, Mm -hmm. that this happens to very educated, smart people. And the more we can talk about it, the more we can protect ourselves from these types of creative, predatory practices. Altogether, the Allens lost $16,500 in this grandparent scam. It's a lot of money. But in reporting her series for the Chicago Sun-Times, reporter Alexandria Jacobson has seen people lose much, much more. When you hear stories like this, people think, oh, that could never happen to me. I, I would have picked up on the red flags right away. But scams like these are incredibly common. As I mentioned, the grandparent scam is very prevalent. Anyone can fall victim to it. It's the most surprising thing to me. The scammers are able to concoct such believable stories. They'll stop at nothing in order to concoct stories that people might fall for and, get, and be able to send them money. Frank, what is the biggest takeaway from the story? Well, my biggest takeaway from this is that now I have a law firm, supposedly a lawyer, is telling me that I have to get them $5,400, and it has to be in gift cards from Home Depot. That's the quickest way to do it. That right there would make me very suspicious that someone wants me to send the money on gift cards, especially if they're portraying themselves as a law firm or someone like that. And so Home that, Depot, nonetheless. Yeah, from Home Depot or somewhere. That they, they're looking at a way to convert it in cash so you can't trace it. Mm. So, again, this is where you need to question some of those things. And even though you're a little scared and apprehensive that maybe this is true, you need to say, you know, that doesn't sound reasonable to me. The con artists who are running the grandparent scam seem like the low of the low. They're digging up personal information on you and your family, calling you up out of the blue with the intentions of catching you off guard, as they did with the Allens. I mean, just right there, when your phone rings in the middle of the night, a strong signal is sent to your brain that there's something wrong. So by the time you actually even pick up the phone, you might already be feeling anxious. And they are the worst of the worst. And as you've heard me say many times, this is the problem that we exist today because of technology and the Internet. So as I always tell people, you know, back in my day, 50 years ago, there were con men and con women, and that stood for confidence man. 
But in order for it to work, you had to know me one-on-one. I had to deal with you. And I was a likable person. I was well-dressed, well-spoken. And you got to where you trusted me. And I got to kind of like you because I got to know you. And that's where the compassion came into it. So, you know, I might have said, well, you don't want to take this person for all their money because, you know, Helen's really kind of a nice person. I'm just going to take some of Helen's money. Today, you're dealing with someone thousands of miles away, and they don't see you. You don't see them. So there is no compassion. There is no relationship in there involved. So, yes, these are very low people. But, again, on their side, they don't have to deal with any of those consciences or compassion because they're not seeing you. You're just somebody on a screen or somebody on a telephone that they don't really care whether they take all your money or take some of your money. So that's what gets real scary about technology and the Internet, where there's not that human touch and that human uh, relationship involved. So folks, be aware of the grandparent scam. It's a lucrative business for fraudsters, but one we can help prevent by being aware of its presence and to resist the urge to act immediately, no matter how dramatic the story is. Again, don't part with your money unless you absolutely know who you're giving your money to. Great. All right. Thanks so much. See you next week. Thank you. If you or someone you know has been the victim of a fraud or scam, call AARP's Fraud Watch Network helpline at 877-908-3360. Thank you to our team of scam busters, producer Brooke Ellis, our audio engineer Julio Gonzalez, and of course, my co-host Frank Abagnale. Be sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For AARP, The Perfect Scam, I'm Julie Getz. Are you 55 plus? There are many ways your community could use your help. As an AmeriCorps Seniors Volunteer, you can put your skills to work for the causes you care about whether that's by becoming a companion for an older adult or a foster grandparent for a child, tutoring students, joining a disaster response effort, or fulfilling another interest. Choose how, where, and when you want to volunteer, starting at just a few hours a month. This is your moment to make a positive impact on your community and get back so much more in return. Visit americourt.gov slash your moment today.